Euronet Plus Panorama is a weekly review of European news broadcast by our network of EU radio stations. Hello and welcome to a Panorama-style roundup of the first Euronet Plus Summit of 2023. In the context of the war in Ukraine and some apparent shifts in the bloc's foreign and defence policies, Euronet Plus invited Josep Borrell, the Commission Vice President and the EU's High Representative for Foreign Affairs and Security Policy, into the studio. In the multilingual interview, host Beatriz Rios took questions from journalists in our pan-European network. From BNR in Bulgaria, 100.7 in Luxembourg, Polski Radio in Poland, Ginu Radias in Lithuania, and EU Radio in France. Unsurprisingly, the interview kicks off with a lengthy discussion on Russia and Ukraine. Our colleagues in Vilnius, where the NATO summit will be hosted on the 11th and 12th of July, ask about Ukraine's NATO membership prospects and what impact a change in US president might have on these. While Borrell stresses that he has no influence on decisions taken at NATO, he acknowledges that the administration in the White House may have the power to make or break an aspiring member's chances. Yes, certainly things could be different. They could have been different if in Washington they had been a different president. I'm sure everybody knows that the attitude, the proposals, the mood of uh, President Trump would have been different than President Biden administration. And I'm sure that one of the things that Putin keeps in mind is that uh, it will be next elections and then in these next elections they can face a different American administration. The High Representative adds that Putin has made a number of miscalculations to date that may have ended up weakening Russia's position vis-à-vis NATO. The big mistake was to believe that Russia was stronger, that uh, Ukraine was weaker, and the Europeans were disunited, and the transatlantic relationship was also weak. And by the contrary, the transatlantic relationship has grown up. It's stronger than ever. NATO is stronger than ever. Two new members, important states like Finland and Sweden, wants to be members. So Putin is getting just the contrary that he wanted. And staying on the topic of Russia, Commission President Ursula von der Leyen announced this week that the Commission would be putting forward a proposal for using Europe's frozen Russian assets to help rebuild Ukraine. This would be a bold move, not to mention a risky one, politically, legally and also economically, as foreign reserves play a key role in stabilising the euro. High Representative Borrell insists that there are many stages to be worked through before any such plan could be put into effect, and that he will not be rushing into anything. In my opinion, we have to do it in agreement with other countries. We couldn't and shouldn't go it alone. And we should always act in full respect of international law. The European Council has already asked us to work in this direction and under these conditions, in agreement with our partners and in full respect of the law. There is also the position of the European Central Bank, which must obviously be taken into account. I, in particular, will take the utmost account of it. The proposal must come from the High Representative and, for the time being, I will not be putting forward any proposal until the European Council has discussed this. With the EU CELAC summit coming up in the middle of July, It seemed pertinent to ask Josep Borrell 
for his take on the importance to Europe of Latin America and the Caribbean, an often overlooked region. He begins by acknowledging that Europe does not give Latin America the attention it deserves. And why does it deserve attention, in his opinion? Because there are problems there, such as drugs, that affect us here. And the region can also provide us with solutions. Access to critical materials, for instance. We should not have an extractivist vision of Latin America. We're not going to Latin America because we're interested in its minerals or because we're interested in its vote in the United Nations, which we are, of course, but instead because we believe it is a natural partner and it has to play its geopolitical role in the world. Because there are large countries like Brazil, Argentina and Mexico that are going to play a role in influencing the world. And there are other countries with problems of political stability, sometimes related to drug trafficking, with very high levels of violence and social inequality, and not everything can be solved by donating money. There is a political problem, a problem of political commitment, and that is what this summit needs to deal with to talk about trade, but above all to talk about forging a geopolitical alliance to face the world of tomorrow. But Latin America is not the only region deserving of our focus. In fact, says High Representative Borrell, the global political landscape today is completely different to the one that emerged from the Cold War. We are entering a multipolar era, where many nations and regions want to have a voice in world affairs. I think the European Union must have the ambition of being a pole in the multipolar world in which we are going to be living. There are not only going to be two big poles, China and the United States. Yes, there will be two big poles, and each of them will undoubtedly attract, try to attract, as many satellites as possible toward that polarity. But I believe that Europe must also have the capacity to be its own pole, its own dimension, and to have a good understanding of who its natural allies are. We will always be closer to Washington than to Beijing, because we share the same political system and the same economic system. But we do not always share the same interests, and, just as the US defends its own interests, we have to defend ours. The world is becoming more complex because there are more actors. These emerging actors include China, of course, which only really entered the global stage in the 1980s, but also post-colonial African nations and countries in Southeast Asia. And Burrell stresses that we need to have a working relationship with all of them, finding out the things we are doing that cause them problems and making it clear how we can help them. The High Representative is also asked about the changes we have seen in the EU's defence policy over recent years. He expresses pride in how the bloc has pulled together and adapted to help Ukraine militarily, and says that this is all part of making sure we speak the language of power. That's true, we are not a military alliance, but we have made an incredible effort to supply arms to Ukraine. Nobody could have imagined that from the beginning and I am very proud of having been a, an active part of this process. We gather, we put together our capacities, the stockpiles of our armies providing arms to Ukraine. Without this, Ukraine could have not defend themselves. So yes, the taboo has been broken. We don't provide arms to a country at war. Yes, we provide arms to a country at war, because this country is being invaded. It's in our neighborhood, and their fight is also part of our fight. 
So this is something for the European Union to take stock of and to understand that in this challenging world, we need to have something more than that trade capacity and the defense of the rule of law, which has been the trademark of the European Union. But it goes without saying that if Europe wants to possess any kind of military capacity, it cannot continue to rely on third countries for its supplies. You can't claim to have autonomous military capabilities without having a basic industrial capability. If you buy all your weapons from someone else, at some point you may run out, as was the case during the pandemic when we suddenly realized that there was no paracetamol in our pharmacies and that all the paracetamol was produced in India and China. Imagine the same thing happening with weapons. All of a sudden we realize that in order to defend ourselves we depend on an industry that is located several thousand kilometers away. That's not possible. If you want to be a serious, autonomous and capable agent, you have to have your own industrial base. That said, there is a war going on and you can't say to the Ukrainians, wait a minute, we'll give you weapons once we've built the factories to produce them. Indeed, with a view to de-risking, not decoupling, the EU will have to break its dependence on non-European suppliers in multiple fields if it is to gain autonomy and security in the long term. Military supplies and pharmaceutical goods are the two areas just mentioned, but there are others, as Josep Borrell notes. At the moment, we are as dependent on China in the digital field as we were on Russia for energy. We must cooperate and avoid excessive dependencies. This is common sense. Which takes us neatly on to the somewhat thorny issue of our relationship with China. A relationship that has several facets, he says. We have a complex relationship with China, an inevitably complex one, because China is also, as we have discussed, an increasingly important economic competitor. Look at how China's car exports are growing. Up until now, we were the ones exporting cars. Now it turns out that China exports more cars than Japan and more cars than Germany, partly thanks to its technology transfers. But of course it is a partner too. No global problem can be solved without China's involvement. China burns more coal every day than the rest of the world put together. So you want to solve the problem of climate change? Then you have to rely on China. For this reason, Borrell is quite clear that the aim of the game is, above all, to avoid confrontation with Beijing which explains the Union's policy on Taiwan. It is clear that we must avoid confrontation. Towards China, we have what we call the One China policy. And with regard to Taiwan, it is very clear we will not recognize Taiwan's independence, but we will maintain economic and trade relations with Taiwan and do everything in our power to avoid the use of force, which could lead the world down an extremely dangerous path. But in order to prevent that from happening, we must use all diplomatic devices. But when all's said and done, the Commission VP and EU High Representative is keen to underscore that foreign policy remains the domain of member states.
que la política exterior sigue siendo competencia de los Estados miembros. Cada uno tiene la suya. Foreign policy remains a competence of the member states. Each one has its own, and we cannot pretend to take their place. What we have to do is look for a common thread between all of them. The Commission cannot make member states foreign policy, but it can be a catalyst for action, especially in the economic field, external relations, trade, the defense of human rights, development, cooperation, digital transformation, all of which form part of foreign policy. And maintaining this balance between what the Commission does and what member states do is the role of the High Representative, who wears the Commission Vice President's hat one day, and that of Member States High Representative the next. And sometimes I don't even agree with myself, because when I have one hat on, I don't think the same way as when I'm wearing the other. Many thanks for joining us. Next week, we'll be back with our regular Panorama podcast, taking a trip around the Euronet Plus network. Mm -hmm.